This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio. It's good to uh, start to create some chemistry with some certain guys and uh, get your legs underneath you. I think uh, through camp you learn a lot of things, systems, and especially coming to a new team, it's it's hard to really learn them until you get into game situations and read and react. So I think all that stuff was good. It took me, I feel like, a little bit into the game to, to kind of start feeling it. And, um, you know, you're not... It's not summer hockey anymore, so the guys are coming at you a little quicker. But, you know, I think as the game went on, the whole team felt better, and I felt better personally. Well, I think, you know, the, the more uh, the game advanced, the better we were. Uh, obviously, it's tough <coughs> getting off the plane and go uh, go on the edge right away. Uh, you, you're kind of cold, but, um, you know, obviously it was uh, a little t- harder at the start, but we got better as the game was going. Actually, as that game went on, I was, you know, it's going to say 5-2 uh, against us, but I, I didn't think we deserved that uh, result. Uh, just some unfortunate plays, you know, probably tough change. One ends up in the, in the back of net. None of the guys were meaning for that to happen. Uh, another tough bounce and and the puck's in the net. Uh, but other, other than that, like our guys, they tried. They tried to do the things we asked of them. And as that game went on, I, I thought the ice was tilting in our favor. Uh, we had chances. We just, you know, lacked a little finish tonight. And, and uh, but I like the way the guys responded and every time we kind of got knocked down they came right back so good sign for a lot of those guys uh, in that room good sign there's no doubt about it good sign that the games continue tonight the lightning lose last night but there were some positives mish and i were talking about it throughout the broadcast specifically on the post game eric erlinson from lightninginsider.com joins us in about 15 minutes apologies for the voice it's what happens when you have kids and they get sick, and then inevitably we all get sick. And they didn't learn the plan that you were supposed to have this a month ago, <laughs> before the season started. You know, but isn't isn't that just being a parent too? It just yes, never goes according to plan, Dave, as you know, and Steve, and, and most of our audience out there. It just you kind of roll with it. So if it sounds like I have smoked a couple of packs of cigarettes today, it, it it's not. I'm I'm just you know I feel fine. It's just my my voice. But uh, hit us up. Uh, on Twitter, at Bolts Radio. We do want to get into the game a little bit last night, what to expect tonight. Looks like the Lightning partner made a couple of roster moves, but you know mm-hmm. nothing major, and that's to be expected as you move forward with all of these games in preseason. Yeah, so as far as the roster moves are concerned, the Lightning do not have a lot of Canadian Hockey League players. I mean, they have players who have played in the CHL, but currently, organizationally, many of their prospects that are still amateurs are actually in the college game, meaning that they've already like entered their college training program. That's why the, the kids that were drafted and going to college do not show up for the rookie tournament or training camp. They are, <clears throat> excuse me, at the prospect tournament, if you want to call it that, the week-long camp that the Lightning hold in July every year. But, for example, Isaac Howard, you know, their first-round pick from a couple of years ago, he's playing in college, so he's not in training camp. The junior kids do show up, but the Lightning just don't have a lot of those players organizationally in this particular year. Two of them played in the game last night, Ethan Gauthier and Ethan Hay, and those were two of the players that were reassigned and then – a defenseman, Gill, who's been hurt and has not been playing, not been practicing with the regular group. 
he's also a guy who was slated to go back to his junior team, Dylan Gill. So Gill was a Quebec player, as was Gautier. They both went back to their junior teams in the Quebec League, and Hay went to his OHL team. And then there was a fourth player who was here on an invitation, and he also was hurt, so he didn't actually get to participate in the camp. So those are the four players that were reassigned. But, you know, for Gautier and, and Hay, we mentioned this, I think, on yesterday's show, Greg. Like, it's not nothing that they got into the one game. Like, that's a good step for them. So they'll take the experience from playing in the game last night and hopefully bring a little swagger back to their junior team. And then when they come for camp next year, the Lightning are going to monitor their progress. And maybe next year they get into more than one preseason game and they have an even more impactful experience in training camp. But I tell you what, like Gauthier had some looks as that game progressed. I mean, he had a two-on-one with Gabriel Fortier near the end of the game and he kind of lost control of the puck, but it still was on net, and, and Kochetkov had to kind of make a quick reaction save or else it would have slid between his pads. So I think Gauthier was a guy who was trying to grab the game, and, and he, I thought he got stronger as the game went along. I didn't notice Hay as much, but, you know, they're 18 years old. So this is as much about getting their feet wet. Now they have. Now the Lightning want to see other guys. These guys are always slated to go back to their amateur teams. But hopefully it was a good experience for them, and, and you know they will continue their development at the amateur level. You know, I think that's what you always want. Um, we always talk about the, the development of younger players, and what does that mean, whether it's a, somebody in the AHL who is playing with NHLers or somebody in juniors that's getting an opportunity to play with professionals as well, even if it's a game, even if it's just practice. You know, it's one of those things, too, where – one of the things I always like when the playoffs begin, you have the black aces and these guys come up. And I always feel like, is it more beneficial for those guys to not play in a game, but to be around professionals, Dave, in that setting than it is to be playing games? And I think there can be an argument for both. But I think being in that professional environment has to, I don't know if there's any downside. Because yeah. the one downside you'd have would be you really need to work on something. But that can be a positive. And that can help in your development. And I think for the Lightning and some of these guys, that's what you do take from something like that. But I, I think maybe it, it, it shouldn't have to be stated, but in a game like this, you shouldn't have to talk about effort and playing with passion because I think those are things you can control. Mm -hmm. But I think we both felt like last night, Lightning played hard. Yeah. You know, I thought it was a, from that perspective, you know, you can accept mistakes or digest them a little bit more if you're if you're going hard and I don't think anybody anticipated both teams being flawless they weren't but you can't control the effort and I thought the effort was pretty good it was yeah and we heard quotes to that effect John Cooper said it he felt they tilted the ice and they did they made some mistakes I mean they had some some miscues some turnovers some maybe bad puck luck they had one goal against on a on a line change on defense or defense change that was slow, allowing a breakaway. So Carolina was efficient at, at converting its chances, but I thought the Lightning showed pretty well. I mean, what are we what are we looking for out of these preseason games? Are we looking for the results? I mean, the results not going to matter after these seven games, even after the game that we just saw last night. That result doesn't really matter. 
They didn't get the win, but I think that the way they played was how the Lightning want to be playing organizationally. I thought some guys showed well, and I'll, I'll mention this guy again. I mentioned him last night. I thought Barry Boulay had a really impactful game, and I'm not saying that just because he scored a really nice goal, which he did, but it might have been tied to the fact that he scored a really nice goal, that that helps him have even more swagger, that the ice opened up for him and he had a beautiful finish. I thought he was he was commanding the ice last night, and that's what he's going to have to do to, to carve a uh, a spot for himself at the NHL level because he's had his cups of coffee and it's no more no longer a situation where he can just have a cup of coffee he's in a way different boat certainly than the guys we were talking about five minutes ago Gautier and hey it's like here's a little taste right <laughs> now go back to your junior teams and improve Barry Boulay is in a way different spot. Clearly, he's been a pro player for a number of years. He's been a top scorer in the American Hockey League. No more cups of coffee. He has to he has to demand his place at the counter, right? I thought he showed that last night. Yeah, and I think, you know, Chief and I discussed it during one of the intermissions was, and, and, I mean, this is an obvious statement, but sometimes the obvious is, is the biggest hurdle an athlete has to get over. Would you agree Dave, you know, there are certain things Boulay, Barry Boulay needs to do when he gets to the NHL level. But would you agree accepting and maybe even excelling at probably playing a third or fourth line role is going to be a major, I don't want to say hurdle for him, but how he fits in that part of the team more so than in a top six role may determine if he is an NHLer with this team moving forward. Well, yes. I mean, look, is it possible if Barry Boulay makes the team that he could find himself in a top six situation? It's it's certainly possible. Is it possible he would find his way onto the first power play unit? Well, his spot would be the Kucherov spot. So unless they totally revamp the way the first power play unit looks or there is an injury and they have to move things around, the expectation would be that, at best, Barry Boulay would be on the second unit. That's something Eric talked about, I know, in the broadcast last night, that you know that's, that's the spot from which he got the puck and then he moved to the middle and scored the goal. Is it possible he could take Ross Colton's spot at that right circle on the second power play unit if he makes the team? It's possible, but let's remember, the second power play unit does not usually get a lot of time because the first unit is out there to start most power plays and often... If they're not scoring, they're staying out there for the majority of the two minutes. So it is going to be a different role than what he is getting and used to getting at the AHL level. But that is almost like I understand what you're saying, that he's not going to be in these prime scoring situations, shift in, shift out. But I think what what he can control is almost like – I'm not I'm not implying that he's not playing hard when he's had his chances in the NHL. But he has to grab the game. I think you can grab the game no matter what role you're in. If you're in a checking role, you can grab the game. We've seen Sorelli, Kalorn, and Hagel grab the game when they've been used in a checking role, right? So... He has the ability to put the puck in the net. He has the ability to make plays. And maybe he just needs to react a smidge faster. 
at the NHL level because he has a smidge less time, it's just the nature of the beast, than he has at the AHL level. But if he's in a third-line role or a fourth-line role, like, I don't think that that should matter based on I – th- I think for him to make the next step, it's less about where is he playing and, and opportunity and how many minutes he's getting. I think he needs to make the most of his ice time every time he's out on the ice. And if I'm speaking frankly, I don't think that he's done that right. enough to this point in his career when he's gotten a chance to play at the NHL level. This is more of a maybe a hypothetical question. You mentioned foot speed in general, I think, with Barry Boulay. That's always been a hot topic. And apparently, and again, it's hard for me to, to know, you know, not seeing him as regularly as management. But we have heard that his skating is continuing to improve. And so maybe wanna... that was part of why he was able to command the ice. More last night. I'm curious your perspective, and if our audience wants to weigh in, they can at Bolts Radio. Eric Arlinson will be joining us here shortly. Bigger obstacle to overcome. Lack of speed as a top six player or lack of speed in a bottom six role? So if you're a top six guy, you've we're assuming you've got a lot of skill, counted on to produce points. Is it more detrimental, partner, if you don't have the foot speed and you're playing that type of role than it is if you don't have that type of speed playing on a third or fourth line. Well, you're doing the thing that I always tell you I don't like to do, which is broad stroking. What I do. I hey, do. partner, you missed it. Well, you missed well, it. Come on. So I will parse what you're saying a little okay. bit. When you say lack of foot speed, are you saying downright slow, or are you just saying not Braden point fast? Because there are there's a range there, right? So I think on the Lightning's fourth line last year, their lack of foot speed actually was a liability. And they made a concerted effort to get quicker. Which is why Asimont looked pretty good. Right. When he came so you in. can have you can have your skating be an asset. But if your skating is not an asset, that doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be a liability. You could just be by average, I don't mean below average, I mean literally average. You can be an average skater. It may be slower than some, but quicker than others. And and maybe that's what you're talking about. So, like, if Barry Boulay's starting point, and this is what we heard when he turned pro, was skating is a problem. Well, maybe it's not a problem anymore, but he's never going to be a guy who can turn on his edges like point or just flat out up and down speed like maybe an Acemon or a Mott or or some of these other guys that that we we have talked about in terms of the lightning getting a little quicker but if you're smart and you know where to go on the ice right that can compensate for maybe a lack of foot speed and look Kucherov is not slow but sometimes Kucherov glides right but he's so smart I'm not saying that he can't skate fast. He can. But Kucherov is so smart that he sometimes doesn't have to skate fast because he knows where to go. He can anticipate where he needs to go to get the puck in a position where he can do damage, either by shooting or passing. So I think it's it's kind of a an open-ended question that you posed, which is to say, are you slow or are you just not as fast as some other guys? And I think that's a pretty important distinction but I think the distinction, once you make that distinction, the same is true whether you're in a top six or a bottom six. If you are flat out slow relative to other NHL players, you must bring something else to the table to offset that, whether it's being big and strong or 
an ability to replay so you can compensate for like your lack of velocity you make up with efficiency you can read where the play is going so you just get there a little quicker than if you took a longer route you know what i'm saying so you need to have some other tools in your toolbox to offset that if you're going to make it at the nhl level but you can be just in the middle of the pack as a skater and you can have success i think as a top six forward or a bottom six forward but you have to have other things that you agreed right yeah agreed Agreed. And Eric Erlinson from LightningInsider.com yeah, is Eric can chime in on this with us, and I'm sure he heard that conversation. And it's great to be with you, bud. And I'm curious, you you have some thoughts on that when it comes to speed, and uh, is it a bigger deal if you don't have it in a bottom six, or do you think it's a bigger deal in a, in that top six role? And he was referring to Barry Boulay specifically. I was. That's who yep. we were talking about at the yep. start of the show. Well. Yeah. You know, um, Dave, you gave the the example there of Nikita Kucherov. I think the the best example of that is Brad Richards, right? Brad Richards used to get criticized because he looked like he was just kind of loafing out on the ice at times. But it wasn't because he couldn't skate. It's because he was sort of internalizing, okay, what do I need to do? How do I need to get there? And what's the best route for me to take? Like, if you don't have speed, and, and it's certainly it's a much different game you know, in 2023 than it was back in 2004, 2005 when Brad was at the peak of his career here with Tampa Bay. But, you know, he got criticized for that a lot while he just looks lazy out of the ice. No, he's not lazy. He's just, he you know, he knows how to use his tools and his assets to a strength. And, and I think if you don't have that straight-ahead speed, and, and look, the game is faster. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, John Cooper was even asked about this this morning, about speed and how important it is in, in today's game. But if if you know the route to get there, and there, there's always two ways to look at speed for me. Yeah, straight-line speed, you know, Braden Point with his edge work and how he can kind of make the cuts. He's so quick and elusive in that way. But there's also speed of execution. And when you execute – at a fast pace, you look faster. If you don't execute at a fast pace, you look slower. So there's those elements that come into it as well. Um, you know, it, it's like it's hard to believe that Braden Point was criticized for his skating, his draft year, right? There's one of the reasons he was there still in the third round when Tampa Bay picked him. So I guess in a long-winded response to the question I think speed is much more important in today's game than it has been in probably at any other point in NHL history but that doesn't mean you have to be you know Connor McDavid there are other ways to utilize your skating but if you can't get there you're going to struggle in the NHL and and I think that's a big thing I think you have to have the speed to get there and and whether that's you know, straight line speed or some other way to, to get that route in uh, in your back pocket. Uh, I think you have to have some element of speed to it, and, and I think it's important from line one to line four. So the reason we were talking about this, Eric, we were mentioning Barry Boulay, who I thought had a really impactful game last night. And I guess the question that Greg was posing was, could Barry Boulay fit on an NHL roster if he's not in a top six where he has excelled? at the AHL level. I guess the question that I would ask of you is, what does Barry Boulay need to do to not only earn a roster spot, but keep a roster spot at the NHL level and be impactful at the NHL level? He has to be who he is, right? You have to, there are elements you have to improve on, and and I think he's gotten much better 
at his skating for sure. You know, from the first time we saw him in a camp to what we see out on the ice now, um, you know, the defensive awareness has, has got to be a little bit better. I know he's talked a lot about wanting to be stronger on the puck and, and to be able to win more puck battles. I think that's a key element that he needs to do. But at the end of the day, you have to be who you are on the ice. And whether you're asked to play a top six role or you're asked to play a third line role, you still have to play your game. Right, and and I think that's a big thing with Alex Barry Boulay is, yeah, it, you look at a guy like him and think, okay, he has to play top six minutes or he's not going to be effective. And maybe on some levels that's accurate, but I don't think it's totally the end all be all. I I think that there are ways to be who you are as a player if maybe you're not getting as many minutes as you do in the AHL, right? And and some of the other elements that they've asked him to do down in Syracuse the last couple of years has involved killing penalties, something he never did early in his career here. So. He's he's trying to learn, you know, some of, of of his perceived weaknesses and try and make them better to put himself into a position where he can make an NHL roster. And certainly, we're only a week in a training camp now, but he's been pretty consistent on that line there with Tanner Janot and, and Nick Paul, um, including last night's game. And if he can be an effective player there. There's a spot open on the number two power play on the right circle where Ross Colton was the last couple of seasons. You know, that's where he's kind of made a lot of his, his money, so to speak, at the AHL level, scoring a lot of goals on the power play from that spot. There's a role here for Alex Barbele, and you just, you're waiting for that moment for him to seize it. And, you know, I, I listened to you last night, Dave, call the game. His name came up quite a bit. I know you praised him after the game as well, and I know you were talking about it again this morning. Is this is this his moment now? Finally, he's 26 years old. He's not 22, 23 anymore. This is his time, and I think he he understands that. And and early on, it looks like he's ready to seize that opportunity. Eric Rollinson joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Radio. And you know, even when we talk about guys who made an impression last night, is there anybody else that you know stood out where? Um, you want to see another look that has maybe a legitimate chance of of doing something potentially not only at the NHL level, but maybe down at Syracuse as well. Well, you, you kind of stole my thunder there because I was going to say Ethan Gauthier. <laughs> he was he was pretty good as that game went on last night. Obviously, he's already been sent back uh, to junior, but he made a good, strong first impression, and, and that's what you want out of the players, uh, no matter what their what their expectations are for this camp. And, and you just want to make an impression, and I think he certainly did that last night. The guy I'm, I'm continued uh, to be interested to watch is uh, Gage Gonsalves. He's, uh, he's got some sneaky offensive skill. He's got uh, an opportunity to, to be, you know, that type of a player moving forward. Uh, didn't have his best game last night for sure, and that's not the – right kind of impression you want to make but you know they're asking him to, to be a top guy in Syracuse this year and, and to take his game to another level as he continues to develop and you know that's a guy that I'm going to keep a close eye on this year because it's his third year of his entry-level deal and those are always important years for young players you know how has your development improved from two years ago to where you're at right now uh, because there's a, a contract at the next uh, at the end of the season there's waiver situation that you have to go through once you come out of those entry-level deals. So there's a lot of decisions the team has to make. Uh, so that's really the time for these players on these situations to come out uh, and, and make some sort of an impact, make an impression to, to prove that they deserve to, to remain with the organization moving forward. You know, it's interesting when you look at the Lightning's training camp roster, Eric. I mean, there are some draft picks in there, but the Lightning haven't had a lot of picks over the last few years. And as we mentioned at the top of the show, a number of their picks are, are college 
players, so they aren't in camp. But the Lightning have, have brought in a number of players that they've signed as free agents, either out of Europe or even guys who weren't drafted. I mean, Ilya Usov is one. Lilleberg, who played in the game last night, is another. Look at Declan Carlisle. What is your impression on some of these guys? Merrilla, who's going to play tonight, is, is another one. They just signed him. What is your impression of some of these guys that were not drafted but now are a part of the organization? And how important has that been for the Lightning to kind of refill the coffers, for lack of a better way of putting it, in the absence of, of just the number of draft picks relative to other teams they have not had as many over the last few years well it's a tool at their disposal for the scouting staff and the pro scouts for sure to try and find some of the players and they've had success i mean tyler johnson was an undrafted free agent you know not out of europe obviously out of the western league uh, when he came in yanni gord was cast aside by the san jose organization and was brought in and, and you know they, they see some elements so they're really really good at identifying these type of players I was really hoping to see Simon Ryfors get a chance this year. Obviously, his contract was up after last year. He had a great season in Syracuse last year, but the, you know there was no promise of an NHL position here, so he went back to Europe. Uh, I think Merrill falls into that same sort of category. He's an older player, 25, uh, certainly has some experience under his belt, and you know was able to put the puck in the net uh, over in Europe. It's it's important for an organization like the Lightning, who haven't had high draft picks to maybe identify and maybe you find that diamond in the rough. Maybe you find a guy who's a little bit of a late bloomer, you know, that can come in and, and be somebody who, um, you know, makes a contribution. I mean, even Ross Colton sort of kind of falls under that same sort of category, right? A late draft, a late round draft pick was a college player, went and played in Vermont for a couple of years before he came here and signed his contract, a little bit of an older age and developed and turned himself into what he ended up being. And, you know, Colorado's going to reap some of those benefits now with, with where Ross Colton is. Cole Kepke is kind of in that category as well as Ross Colton, a lot of similarities between those two. So identifying some of these players and specifically too, sometimes you don't want to have too many junior players drafted and I, I, that kind of sounds a little crazy but if they all have to have contracts at the same time you know you're you are limited to 50 organizational contracts per season and a lot of teams don't even go to 50 they want some flexibility uh, in terms of roster movement but you have to have you know guys who are at different points of their development and everything else too. That's where the college picks come in uh, into effect. I know there's a ton of players in college right now uh, in this organization and then identifying those players in Europe. So you, it's important to have your, your pro scouts and your scouting staff looking for those type of players because you know every once in a while you will find a Yanni Gordon. Every now and then you will, as Eric Arlinson Intelligently pointed out, when I say that, and intelligently, what that, that's going to make you feel pretty good. You know, <laughs> where's I my wife? Where's my wife when I need her to hear that statement? <laughs> well, she she's not gonna she's not gonna buy that. I actually thought you were gonna say, Greg, that was a great question to start this whole interview off. I, don't I would know never why. do that, Greg. I don't Greg. know why you didn't do that uh, <laughs> at Pulse Radio. Um, as our conversation continues, a little off topic, but uh, I'm curious when you take a look at at Steven Stamkos. I know you you know him well. Um, any reason to believe the contract thing? I think we think it, it probably bugs him. Does it go beyond just bugging him this season? I don't think so. Uh, certainly, there's a, there's, you know, it's going to be in the back of your head, to, to, and it has the 
potential to kind of distract you from time to time. But, you know, he's established enough. He's 14th year now and everything else with with, with him. I don't think it's going to affect his game at all. You know, maybe away from the game, the, the thought enters his head, you know, oh, my gosh, is this going to be the last year? But, you know, we've seen this with other players. We saw with Alex Colon last year. We saw with Andre Pilat the year before. Certainly not the captain of this team and not the, the, the franchise face that Steven Stamkos has been for more than a decade here now. Um, you know, but I, I don't think it's and he and Steven's been through it, right? Like he's been through this situation before. Uh, it didn't really affect his game that year either. So I don't think it's going to affect anything on the ice. Um, but there's no doubt that, especially at the point in where you know Stammer is in his career right now, um, you know, wondering is this it? Is this my last year with the, the only franchise I've ever known? It's hard for me to fathom this guy's. I'm, I'm sure that you, you're in the same boat here too of seeing Steven Stamkos put on another team's jersey. It's just hard for me to think. It's more difficult nowadays because of the salary cap, and that's a big reason why this situation is where it's at because of some of the uncertainty uh, for the cap next year. Is it going to make the big leap that uh, a lot of people are expecting, or is that still a year away for the cap to go up a significant amount? So I think that's part of the information process that Julian sort of referred to when he was asked that question at the start of training camp. Um, But in, in terms of does it affect Steven Stamkos this year, I don't think so. I think he's still going to go out and be as productive as he is the last couple of years because that's, at the end of the day, that's the big thing too. He's still a very productive player, uh, even though everybody wants to say he's on the downside of his career and age-wise, that's probably accurate, but he's still, you know, he's still producing uh, on the ice, off the ice, uh, leadership, everything else uh, that he does. So I don't see that having any sort of effect on the way his season or the, the team season is going to go. I want to go back to to kind of players in camp, uh, if I could, Eric. And I'm looking at one guy in particular who's in the lineup tonight, Cole Kepke. Last year, he was probably the top bubble guy in camp at forward, and he made the team, the opening night roster. But when Sorelli ended up coming back from his injury, he was, was sent back to Syracuse where he spent the rest of the year. And he did not maybe have the impact that he would have liked or maybe the Lightning would have liked him to have had during that early part of the year when he got into games. Where is he right now? Like, where is he organizationally? And and in your mind, what does he need to do of anything beyond just continue to to play his game to kind of get back into the conversation here as a guy who's knocking on the door? I think the big thing with him, like a lot of young players, is consistency. You know, okay, you did it last night. What are you going to do for me tonight? Can you continue to show everything that you did last night and put it to use tonight? Can you be better today than you were yesterday? I think it's a big thing with him. And and you're right, he's almost kind of like a forgotten prospect in this camp. I I would even throw Gabe Fortier a little bit into that same sort of – you know, uh, description because they are a couple of guys, you know, Fortier was a second round draft pick and Kepke got the, the opportunity to play up here last year. You, you know, when I, I, I talked to Stacy Roos a, a couple of times per year, obviously the, the GM in Syracuse. And I remember talking to him about Cole after he went down, like it's, it has to be a little bit of a blow to the ego when you start the season with the NHL club and then you go down in December and you don't get another opportunity to go back up. He, he said he handled it the right way mentally, um, he understood that there were other things that he needed to work on to be a more consistent player. Uh, I, th- I, think, I think what you want to see, assuming Cole doesn't start here this year, is he's going to be asked to take on more responsibility if he gets to Syracuse. 
He's going to be asked to take on more top-line roles. He's going to be asked to produce a little bit more offense for the Crunch this year. So those are the things, assuming he doesn't have the opportunity to earn a spot out of camp as he did last year, those are the areas that they're going to want him to improve on and, and, and be a more – uh, well-rounded player that you can count on a consistent basis because we saw it last year. He can play at this level. He certainly has the ability. It's just kind of putting it all together on a more consistent basis night in, night out because that's always the challenge for players who come up from the minors is, okay, this is what you did down here. Can you carry that at this level and do it you know, four times a week you know, as opposed to, you know, a Friday and a Saturday game, then you're not playing again until next Friday. It's almost every other night in the NHL, and you have to be able to have that consistency to keep yourself at this level. One of the luxuries of having Andre Vasilevsky is that you don't have to worry too much about your backup or even maybe depth in the organization as much, understanding that, listen, he could start dealing with some things down the road, and, and you'll have to look at that position a little closer. But I know the team is, was really high on Onafelt. We saw him last night, and I feel like he's been around for a while. He's only 22. Do you have a sense of how they view him in the organization today compared to maybe where they were a couple of years ago? What do you make of, of the goaltending depth in general? Well, they need Hugo in particular to seize the opportunity in Syracuse. You know, he got a chance last year um, – around January and February where he was, uh, because of injuries, he was the guy that was starting almost every night uh, for Syracuse, and he played well. But again, going back to what I just said about Kepke, it's, it's consistency. Can you continue to do that night in and night out? And, and I think that's the challenge for Hugo right now. Um, I, I think they view him as a, uh, right now, if we're heading into the season, they want him to be the number one guy in Syracuse. They want him to take, you know, the important games and the big minutes uh, in the AHL this year and, and continue to hope that he can be somebody that develops into uh, next year or, or the year beyond that can, that can be in the NHL because, again, he's entering his third year of his entry-level deal and, and then waivers comes into the situation and everything else. The business side of it starts to, to kind of entangle yourself into, into some of the decisions that have to be made. Uh, but they, they need depth. Uh, I mean, you, you're right. You know, Andre Vasilevsky's good for 55, 60 games. Uh, but if you get into a situation like a couple of years ago where he suffered that fractured foot and Louis Domingue came in and, 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 and played well enough to get them through that situation, I, I don't know if you have that depth. I mean, you know, Jonas Johansson is still a, a bit of, of a wild card at the NHL level. I, I know what they think he can do, and you have to have trust in your scouts that they've identified that. Um, but you, you you need it. I, you look at I mean look at Vegas. weren't they down to like their fourth goaltender last year? If we want to count Robin Leonard, who obviously didn't play last year, but they were down to number four in their depth chart, and they still were able to win a Stanley Cup. So you need goaltending depth, and and I think if if you look at the Lightning compared to every other team in the league, yeah, they got the, the probably the best goaltender in the league. But behind that, there's not a whole lot that that's that you know about right now. So there's still question marks uh, in that aspect. But uh, Hugo, they're still high on him. They like a lot of things. Um, but again, it's it's about can you put it all together and seize an opportunity. And I think that's what a lot of coaches want to look for. Can you seize an opportunity when it's there in front of you? What are you going to do to make the decision easy for us to put you here because you've earned it? Last one from me, Eric. Last night we saw a line which you referenced, Paul Janot and Barry Boulay. And often in this first week of the 
the preseason, you see kind of a garbled mess of, of the lineups and the lines. But that may be a line. Who knows for the Lightning? Tonight we're seeing Mott, Glendening, and AC Mott. Do you think that that is a line that they're giving a trial run in this in this preseason game tonight with an eye toward the regular season? I think so. I, I think if you look at the, the way that the lines have been constructed, even in the practices, you know, uh, watching it today, Janot, Paul, and, and Barry Pillay were again out there on the ice with the non-game group practicing as a line. And, you know, we know who pretty much the top six are going to be in some capacity, just a, a question of, of who plays with whom. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that the, that line with Glendening, Mott, and Asamont is something that they're going to give a good look at. And, and that's what preseason is for, you know. And, and I remember asking John Cooper on the first day of camp, with all the changes, you know, five forwards out and all the additions that they've made, how many times has he played, and, and he called it the, the bar napkin game, where you're writing down combinations of, of lines and everything else that you think might work, and ah, I don't like that, I'm going to throw that in the trash, and, 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 and he's kind of gone through that. So I, I think that's what the preseason is all about, is finding what you think will work and giving it an opportunity to work. So uh, it's no surprise to me that those three are going to be together tonight because – you want to give him a chance to, to build some chemistry, especially with, with Glenn Denning, who is a veteran in this league and, and he knows his role and, and how to play it uh, and everything else uh, that they're going to ask him to do. So that trio could be intriguing uh, in terms of the way that they can play. And, uh, you know, I kind of referenced this last night too. With Glenn Denning here now, obviously the, the face-offs are a big part of his game, but can he take on some defensive responsibility, some matchup situations uh, that maybe frees up Anthony Sorelli from having to do that on a consistent basis. You know, so maybe you have an, a chance now with these three guys to kind of be a little bit more of a matchup line if you need it, depending on your opponent on a consistent basis. So you want to give, you know, those three guys every opportunity to kind of build that chemistry and, and if they can be what you, what you want them to be, what you think they can be, the only way to do it is to get them together and work together. I mean, do you see a scenario where Glendening doesn't make the team? No. No, no, no. He, he's, he's here for sure. It's, um, uh, again, he, he was brought in for a specific purpose, uh, to kill penalties, to win face-offs, and to be a defensive, defensive center. With Luke, you're, you're not getting a ton of offense. It's, it's just especially the last couple of years, he's not putting a lot of pucks in the net. Uh, but he does so many other things well that he is going to be an entrenched in the bottom lines of this situation. You're going to see him on the ice a ton for defensive zone draws late in games because he's just he's just so good at it. You know, they haven't had a player like this. And, you know, Dave, I know you mentioned it last night with, uh, with Andrew Chuck and Taylor, and Chief even brought the same thing up when I, we had the conversation off the air uh, with Glenn Denning, that they just haven't had that type of a player that can consistently, consistent, consistently, I'll get that out, uh, to win faceoffs at important times in games. So, no, Luke, Luke you're going to see a lot of Luke Lindenning in tight games um, that they're trying to protect leads. So he's absolutely, uh, I think, a key member of, of the fourth line of this team. He's a lock. And I love it, D. I love it. Well, <laughs> Stone we look, cold. I know. I know. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk to you tonight throughout the broadcast, and we look forward to that. And we'll talk a little bit more hockey. Hey, it's a great time of year because we are talking hockey. You got it. Well, thank you, sir. Appreciate you. Thanks, Eric. All right. Talk to you tonight, boys. All right. Eric Erlinson, lightninginsider.com. Always appreciate his analysis, and uh, it's always good to get his perspective. Want to take a couple questions, partner?
Yeah, let's do Al it. Al says, do you think that Sherry is a lock? Is ABB fighting for a second line spot? As good as he played last night, I still don't see BB fitting as a bottom six. Looking forward to seeing, uh, let's see, names just a bunch of players here. Mott, Brown, Kepke, uh, Watson, uh, Morella, a lot of guys. Yeah, Marilla. I actually Marilla. confirmed that with him this Marilla. morning. Marilla. Walter Marilla. Although in Finland, they may say it a little bit differently, but that's how he said to say it. In Pittsburgh, you'd say Mar- North America. Mar- you'd say Marilla. Marilla. <laughs> they just call him Wally, right? <laughs> I like that. I like that. So that was a lot in that tweet. Who, who sent that again? Was it Al? Oh, you know it. It's Al. All right. Oh. Al had a lot in there. So is Sherry a lock? Yes, yeah, Sherry is a lock. <laughs> Sherry is signed a three-year deal, right? Signed a three-year deal. Where will he play? That is that is unknown at this time. He was playing with Sorelli and Hagel last night. If if you were to ask me today, do I think that that will be a line where basically Sherry is replacing Kalorn and you're keeping Hagel and Sorelli together? My gut tells me Hagel's going to start the year with Point and Kucherov, but I may be wrong on that. But you've got Hagel, Point, Kucherov, and you've got Sorelli and Stampkos. And then if we want to include Sherry as the sixth guy in the top six, you can work the lines in certainly some different ways, and maybe the Lightning will, will do that as they did last year, switching up. Basically, they switched up Stamkos and Hagel, right? I mean, correct. Paul started in the top six, but as we got into the season. Now, Al's point is he feels Barry Belay should be in there in a top six role. I don't know if that is going to happen. That is maybe John Cooper, like Eric said, is is grabbing the, the bar napkin, the bar stool napkin, and, and, and scratching out different combinations. But the fact that he's playing with Paul and Janot – right now tells you that that's where they have him targeted. And I think that he can be successful playing with those guys if he does the things that he needs to do to stay in the NHL. And, yeah, defensive responsibility is part of it, but it's not like they're going to be checking the whole game, right? They, They may not be asked to do matching. What what they may be asked to do is kind of what we talked about with the fourth line, which is be annoying to play against and have the puck in the offensive zone. And if Barry Belay is given a chance to play in a line that has the puck in the offensive zone, then maybe he can use some of his skill, which I'm going to tie back to something you talked about on Monday a lot, which is production from the bottom six. So, like, there are two ways to look at this, right? We can say, well, Barry Boulay to this point has not been a guy whose game translates to the bottom six. He needs to be a top six player. I'm not sure I buy that argument for him because I think if he's going to make it in the NHL, he has to show that he can do more. But doing more doesn't mean that he loses his identity like Eric talked about. So if we're going to put Barry Boulay on the third line and put him into a bottom six – well, maybe that does lead to more production from the bottom six because you have an AHL scoring champion playing in the bottom six and maybe getting some 
power play number two time. We'll see. I know Al had more in there, but I guess what I'm saying is Sherry is a lock, and right now it looks like Sherry's going to be in the top six. Barry Belay, I don't believe, is a lock, but the early returns have been positive, and he's getting an opportunity to play in what we would probably look at as the third line. You know, and Cole if he Pepper. was not doing well, he would be moved off that line, Al. <laughs> so obviously the coaches are liking what they're seeing from him. Not only last night, but last night I think was an important step for him. You know, we forget about Cole Kepke. Not, not that you did. Yeah. I'm just saying in general because I, I well, think. Well, he's in the lineup tonight. Uh, but, I mean, I feel like there was some hype surrounding him last year. We saw him. Yeah. And then he gets hurt. I, I feel like he's a little bit under the radar as well because I think he can bring some size, some jam a little bit. I don't know what type of offense he has, partner, but I, I think he's an intriguing guy to keep an eye on. There's a reason camp. why he skated in the warm-ups before games five and six of the Stanley Cup final. When Sorelli was, let's call him, questionable, right? He played, but if he was not able to play, you know who was coming in? Kepke. That's yeah. why he took warm-ups. So that's how highly the Lightning thought of him at that point, back in late spring of 2022, but clearly, like organizationally, I, I say clearly, I mean, I, I'm reading the tea leaves here, but just based on his use, it feels like other guys have, have passed him. Based on where we were at this point last year. And I, I think that's where, you know, a strong preseason can help. Yeah. You know, get back in the good graces. Who's the um, the defenseman from Finland they're pretty high on? Nico, what's his name? Um Drawing a blank. Are you he's drafted about in the second? Yes. Yeah, he's right. a forward. I'm sorry. And he's playing oh, in Europe right now. Seventh yeah, well, pick. look, he, he spent a year playing in junior and then he went back to Finland. I think he's playing in Finland. He is Finnish. So I want to say he's pro eligible now, but he's he's playing overseas. We which, had a question look, from he somebody do, he can wants do to know. Yeah, what's his prospects of potentially playing this year? Well, his the report on him back when he was drafted was tremendous shot, and he's got good size, but his skating needed a lot of work. And this is when he spent a year in Everett in the Western Hockey League, which is actually Stacy Roost's son, Austin Roost, was drafted by Nashville and actually got into a preseason game for Nashville <laughs> on Monday. He was sent. He was like Gautier, and hey, he got sent back to his junior team. He he's playing in Everett, so I think Stacy Roost. Not sure if his son was playing in Everett when Hootenan was there, but they certainly saw a lot of him when he was playing in Everett one year. That was the year after they drafted him. And they felt his skating improved. And then he went he went back to Finland. And and the COVID situation might have had something to do with that. As I'm saying this, I should probably look him up and give you the exact years that that we're talking about here. But my sense is that his skating is continuing to improve. But the reason that he's not here right now is that he's playing in Europe. So, of course, I just misspelled his name. So <laughs> I may have to, I may have to let you talk, and then I'll. No, you're fine. No, but, you're but fine. But that's that's the situation with that player. He is still like he's still lightning property, quote unquote lightning property. They still hold his rights. Right. And, you know, it's these guys we don't get a chance to see a ton, but you know maybe there's an opportunity down the road for them to. Crack the lineup at some point, and I think anytime the Lightning take a flyer on somebody like that, you know, with the Lightning, yeah. you always are willing to give them the benefit of the doubt that they know what they're doing. 
I did find him, by the way. So he's a right winger. He's got good size. 6'2", 209 is what he's listed at on Hockey DB, and that might have been his draft height and weight. So uh, so I was wrong. It was post-COVID. He was a 2021 draft pick in terms of breaking up the schedule post-COVID. So his first year in Everett was 21-22. He would have been 18 and he had a good year. He had 37 goals for Everett, 77 points, plus 20. He had 10 points in five playoff games. And then he decided to go back home. So he's playing in the Finnish Elite League. And last year, he had 30 points in 48 games for his team. And that season has started this year. So that would explain once he committed to stay there, You know, he's playing regular season games. But he is 20. So he is pro-eligible here in North America. He's just not here right now. So that was one of the questions we answered for okay. Jay. also want to know about Dylan Duke in the NCAA. Yeah, college player. And yeah. he wanted to know, let me see here. Um, just He basically wanted our thoughts on, the, on those prospects. Well, I confess that I am not, like, I'm not watching college hockey. I do know that Michigan had a really good year last year, and that was Dylan Duke's second year at Michigan. And they made it to the Frozen Four, right, here in Tampa. Steve, I think, was there to, behind the did bench. Did they lose to Quinnipiac? Quinnipiac beat Minnesota in the, in the final in that overtime game. I want to say Michigan was one of the teams, right? I don't remember which team they yeah, lost to. Yeah, they were in the Frozen Four. Minnesota. Yeah, they lost to. Did they lose to Minnesota or Quinnipiac? Uh, they lost to Quinnipiac. Okay, so Michigan was loaded last year. I mean, you look at their roster. This Adam Fantilli, who was you know top three pick, he was on the team. Luke Hughes, who ended up playing with the Devils, defenseman, he had forty eight points in thirty nine games. He was on their team. So look, Dylan Duke is playing or was playing, and I'm presuming they're still really good on a top top college team. And so, you know, he's not maybe getting as much of an opportunity as he might be getting now that some of these guys have moved on. But even having said that, he had 18 goals last year in 41 games. So good for him. Yeah. And I want to say, so he played in the World Juniors last year as well. For a second, I thought he might have played in the World Championships. That was where Brian, remember Brian Engblom went and called those games? I do. For TSN, I don't. He's not listed as having played in that tournament. He says so Dylan Duke's brother. I don't think he played for for Team USA, but he was just texting me. He said Dylan Duke's brother is also at Michigan this year. Okay, wonderful. Yeah, so that's fun. But the Lightning have a fair number of players who are playing in college. Like here's an example. You think Max that's by design? Kroger. Well, I mean, I think they take the player that they want to take. But Max Crozier is in the lineup tonight. He's a right-handed defenseman. They actually have him playing the left side. He's going to be on a pair with Perbix. And we can get into the the rosters in the next nine minutes quickly because the Lightning are seeing a loaded team tonight in Nashville. They're playing a lot of their regulars. But Crozier was a college player. He played at Providence. So we didn't see him in any of these camps. He was a fourth-round pick in 2019. And... He played, I want to say, four years, but I'm going to confirm that. He was in Providence, at Providence, and in Providence, because they're located in Providence. 
he was at Providence last year, and then he joined Syracuse after Providence's season ended. So he was drafted in 2019 and then began that fall his freshman year at Providence and played four years at Providence College in Hockey East. We didn't see him for any training camps or any preseason games, but he's in tonight because now his college career is over and he's turned pro. We're going to start to see more of these college players that kind of fit that bill that the Lightning have taken in the last couple of years. But when they're still in school, they're not coming to the Lightning's training camp. That's a good point. They'll be there for the, that summer camp in yes. July. Yep. That's when they are allowed and you get a better feel for how they're looking. And college hockey, I'd say, over the last few years has really gotten to the point where I don't know if it's closed the gap on juniors mm-hmm. in terms of talent, but you know, maybe some people feel like the high-level programs certainly do. Yeah, really rival the the competition, I should say. Um, and it's it's a route. Look, it is a route. I mean, it, you play fewer games, but the right. the flip side is you do practice more. And I know you're going to go into your Allen Iverson. I was going to say, is Allen Iverson <laughs> available? Yes, uh, he will. He, that that line will be linked with him more than his it's one of the great lines of all time, court, which is amazing because he was yeah. an amazing basketball player. He was, but anyway. There is benefit, I think, to to working on your skills, right? Like, I mean, the college players do get more time away from game action than the junior players. The junior players are playing close to a pro schedule, almost as many games. And if they go deep in the playoffs, they might be playing more more games than a pro player. College is different. You know, you're playing mid-30s, maybe, if you have – a busy schedule. You're not playing 75 games. Right. It means you have more time to to practice and and you know work with coaches and and learn the game. Basically, it's one I way think, to learn. Yeah, I think there's anyway. value. I think there's value in there. Um, I mean, I mean, I think both leagues you're you're dealing with things off the ice too that can help yeah. you grow as a professional. I always found look it, at Perbix. I mean, Perbix yeah. spent four years at St. Cloud State and came in, and you can make the, he was older, but you can make the argument that he was more ready to make the jump to the pro game than, say, a 20-year-old that had just finished his junior career. Now, not every 20-year-old isn't ready. Some 18-year-olds are ready. Now, can You're you talking do... about Crosby and Stamkos and yeah, McDavid. Like, they could jump. Bedard, like, they can jump in at 18 and have an impact. And there are 20-year-olds who also, Kucherov, you know, who, who comes to the pro game and – they don't miss a beat. Although even Cooch started at the AHL level for the first month, month and a half, and then he came up. But, you know, you're a little bit older. You're a little bit more mature. Your body is maybe bigger and stronger. Like, there there are advantages to, to going the college route in terms of, like, is this going to help me be a pro player and maybe make the NHL. I always found. I do want to. I do want to get quickly, Greg, into the lineup Good. tonight for for the Lightning. So we mentioned Mott, Glendening, and AC Mott. I mean, that's probably their most experienced. It is their most experienced line. So we see a lot of the. When I say prospects, now we're not talking about like amateur bound, right? Those guys got their game yesterday. These are players that are probably going to be slated for Syracuse, or maybe they're on the bubble. Or they are going to be at, at the NHL level, and I'm talking about like Chernak and Dahan and Pervix are in the lineup tonight. 
But you see Crozier, his first preseason game. Sean Day has been around for a while. He's in the lineup tonight. Jack Thompson was a, a draft pick of the Lightning, and he was a third-round pick in 2020. He was in Syracuse last year, so this is his second pro year. Kepke is playing with Felix Robert, who was in Syracuse last year, and Austin Watson, who's on uh, a PTO. He's an invitee. So we're seeing a mix. Merrilla is playing tonight. So we'll, we'll get a look at him, and he certainly had an impactful kind of rookie tournament uh, from, from all reports. But the Nashville lineup is very close to an NHL-only lineup. So they had a split squad doubleheader against Florida on Monday where they played a lot of their young guys, and, and the guys I'm going to mention didn't play in either of those games. McDonough, Forsberg. O'Reilly, Ryan O'Reilly is now there. Luke Shen, Roman Yossi, all these guys are in tonight. Did you know that they are looking at pairing Shen with Yossi? What what a great story Luke Shen I was going to say, has there been another player that's turned around his career than Luke Shen? I mean, he signs a three-year deal based on what he did, especially with Toronto at the end of last year after he got acquired from Vancouver. But their top four, as it looks heading into the, the season, based on how they want things to shake out, and these top four are playing tonight. Yossi Shen, McDonough, and Tyson Barry. Barry came over in the deal that sent Ekholm to Edmonton last year. That's you know their that, top four. You know what that tells me, too? And without even looking at Nashville's forwards for this year, one, they obviously trust Shen a great deal. But that tells me that they're basically telling Yossi, you're going to play offense as much as you're going to play defense. And Shen's yeah. sole responsibility. Well, that's what he's done, yeah. right? He's don't led go, their team in scoring four years in a row. Don't go Yossi. don't go beyond. But even maybe more so, don't even go beyond center ice. Look, just stay back <laughs> yeah. when, when Yossi's on the ice. And I don't want to say it's, it's an NHL roster because they have some bubble guys. So a couple of these guys came up. Well, Luke Evangelista came up at the end of last year as did Tomasino, Phil Tomasino, because Nashville had injuries, including to Forsberg, who's who's healthy now. And they had an, an impactful run. Nashville just missed the playoffs. But Tomasino and Evangelista were really good in, in the latter part of the year. But now that Nashville has gotten healthy, meaning Forsberg is back, and they added Ryan O'Reilly, maybe these guys are not going to make their NHL roster. So I didn't mean to imply that Basically, this is like the roster we're going to see on opening night when the Predators play the Lightning here on on October 10th. But this is a far more experienced lineup than what the Lightning are dressing tonight. And Saros is playing. Yeah. So, so it'll be a good test. And yeah, it will be a good test. We're on the airwaves, what, at 8 o'clock? So we've got the... 7.30 for you, my friend. 7.30. Well, yeah, that's... The puck drops with Dave, and then I'll have the uh, the pregame there at 7.30, getting you ready for that game. And then, of course, we'll have Eric and Chief and Kren and all of the cast of characters leading into the, the game call. And it should be a lot of fun. You can listen to it on these airwaves. And then, partner, we'll be back at it again tomorrow, recapping the game. I'll talk to we'll you tonight. We'll be back at it tomorrow, yes. All right. Hopefully my voice is, is passable and... We'll, uh, we'll get it going again. Thanks to Steve Ersnick. Thanks to Eric Erlinson. We always appreciate him. And thanks to you for listening. I'm Greg Linelli. You've been listening to Power Lunch on Lightning Radio.